just as a, a kind of a recap to let you know, remind you where we've been, very brief. And, and by the way, you can go back and listen to any of the Ephesians messages. There's, I think, been eight so far. Uh, we have a podcast. You can go to the website, find that. Also, the previous sermons, uh, messages are on there. You can find those too. Um, the book of Ephesians is kind of broken into two parts. The first is more of a theological, spiritual journey portion. And, and for a while, we talked about what it means to be a Christian. Um, Paul talked about the fact that through Christ, we have been unified. We have been made one together. Uh, he talked also about what it's like or what it means to be made alive in Christ and reconciled to all people. And then we went through a prayer that he prayed for the Ephesians, that we have been rooted in the love of Christ, and it is out of this love that everything we do flows. And I think it's very important that we remember that it is the love of Christ that binds us and unifies us. It is also the love of Christ that propels us to do for other people. And uh, we'll talk about that a little bit more upcoming today. Uh, the last time we were in Ephesians, which now was uh, five or six weeks ago, we talked about being worthy of the life he has called us to. And that word worthy is um, different than what our society might teach. For us to be worthy to get the job we want, for instance, we have to be highly qualified probably, um, understand the industry or, you know, things like that. We, it's being worthy because we know something or have accomplished something. When Paul talks about being worthy, he's actually talking about the backwards, the reverse of that, that we have to be humble. We have to be servants to people. We have to consider others better than ourselves. It is in that way that we are worthy to what he has called us to. And Paul talks a lot about the importance of unity. Um, which is a similar principle to Jesus' command to love one another, which Jesus says is how people will know that you are my followers because of the way we love one another. And that will bring us, the way Paul interprets that, teaches, is it will be, bring us together in unity. So uh, today we're going to look at some various graces that Paul outlines that we employ in the church, things that that we do here. So I'm going to read a, a poem that I'd like to uh, start with. And this poem is called The Choice. Um, I forget the author now. I should have wrote that down, but I, this isn't my own work. It's a poem that I found. And this is what it says. I watched some men tearing a building down, a group of men in my hometown. With a heave and a hoe and a mighty yell, they swung the ball and a sidewall fell. And I said to the foreman, are these men skilled? the type you'd hire if you want to build. And he smiled and laughed and said, no, indeed, the common laborer is all I need. For we can tear down in a day or two what it took a builder years to do. As I turned, I shook my head. I knew there was truth in what he said. And I thought to myself as I walked away, which of these roles am I going to play? Am I a builder as I work with care? Measuring life by the rule and squares? Am I shaping my deeds to a well-laid plan, carefully doing the best I can? Or am I a wrecker as I walk the town, content with the labor of tearing down? And I think the point for us today is there's two parts, two ways we can be involved in the church. We can be building the church up 
or we can be tearing the church down. Uh, and tearing it down, by the way, as referenced here, is much easier <laughs> than building it up. So Jesus has called us and Paul is teaching us to, it is our responsibility, our job to build it up. So today we find ourselves in Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, uh, and we're going to start with verse 7 today. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Uh, and we're going to stop there. We'll come back to uh, the rest of that here in a little bit. Uh, we'll be through verse 16 today. But I want to stop there and pause for a minute. Um, Paul is referencing continuing, I should say, this idea of unity. If you go to verse 1, he says, as a prisoner of the Lord then, in the same chapter 4-1, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Um, he's transitioning from unveiling the indescribable blessings of God, which he's been talking about, into applying these blessings to our lives. In, in verse 1, where it says, uh, as a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you, that word then in the King James, you might read it as therefore. He's basically, it's a, it's a transition piece. It is, I was saying all of these things. We were talking about the blessings. We were talking about all of the things that it means to be walking spiritually, to be a Christian. And now we're going to take those things and apply what it means. We're turning our, our direction now to the practical applications of being a Christian. And essentially, what is our part? What does it mean for us? How should we behave? What should we do? How do we act? And so um, really, I need to explain a, a little parenthetical statement he says here. He says, because he stops. In verse 7, he says, To each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, When he ascended on high, he led captives in his train and gave gifts to men. So he's, he's uh, quoting there. Then he goes into Verse 9, it's a parenthesis. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So he, he kind of takes a little break there and he's giving a, an explanation. Um, it is thought and many theologians believe that because of Paul's words here, when Jesus was crucified and died, that he descended, and I've actually spoken this before, to the lower earthly regions. He went to Hades and um, it was there that he... Uh, in a different scripture, it talks about that he has the keys to death and hell. And so it was in that time that he took those from Satan. Um, it, you know, we don't know. There's very little written about it, but that is what uh, some scholars believe. So Paul's just giving a little, hey, so what does he ascended mean? Except that he also descended and, um, you know, he did some work there. So we're not bypassing that, but even for Paul, it was just a, a parenthetical statement. His focus here is on unity. So to sum up, because of the power, and, and he talks about this in the first three chapters of Ephesians, the power, uh, the mystery of the gospel being revealed, and because of 
God blessing us through Christ with every spiritual blessing, then it kind of means three things to this point. First, our walk as believers matters. Some of us may think we get involved in walking as a believer in Christ and, you know, we're just moving along and it's not that big a deal, but it matters because, and we'll get into that in a little bit, but it is our responsibility to bless others. And then he also talks about this idea of unity. We are to be unified under Christ Jesus. If you find Christian brothers and sisters who are fighting together, they're not against each other. They're not upholding what Christ has called us to because the world is full of turmoil and strife and fighting and arguing. Not that we have to agree on everything, understand. We can agree, or excuse me, we can disagree and not fight about it and not become disunified. We maintain that unity of believers. And then he gets into what we're going to talk about today, that some are called to special leadership positions in the church. And that all comes because of the mystery of the power of the gospel being revealed and because God has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing. It, he's, he gives, it's almost like an if then. If you have all these things and he explains it, then this is what it looks like. So just to get into the unity part, unity in the church is so very important. Even saying the word very probably isn't strong enough. It's, it's of the utmost importance. In John 17, Jesus prayed that we would be one spiritually and practically manifest in the church. It's lived out in the church. We're one. People come. They see what that looks like. Oh, look, all these people of different views and different opinions and different ideas, they can exist in unity. In Ephesians 4, 3, he says to make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit of peace, right? He says make every effort. In the King James, he says to diligently do this. To, he's trying to make the emphasis that this is so important, of the utmost importance. And, and he describes then in verse 7 where we pick up today, how do we get to that unity? To each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. That unity is produced through a diversity of gifts. Now this is interesting and I love Paul's teaching on this. He says that we've all been given different gifts. But all of those gifts work together. We all have different things that we are capable of doing. All of those things work together. And these gifts allow the function of ministry to be done in and through the believers. Because we're all in it together. We're all one. We're all moving as a singular unit advancing his kingdom. But each one is manifesting a different gift. It's, it's very interesting the way that it works. And sometimes I think we tend to I was going to say the word despise. We despise each other because of the gifts. Not in a bad way. Like, I hate you because of that. But like, we might get jealous. Oh, man, they've got that gift. Like, they can stand up in front of people and I can't. Or, oh, man, look, they, they do so good studying and I just can't study very well. And I wish I could do that. Like, lean into the gifts that God has given you. He will 
provide those things for you. And, and he gives each of us spiritual gifts so we can minister to each other, so we can build one another up. He speaks about that in Hebrews. I think 10.25, do not forsake the gathering of others, but all the more as you see that day approaching and to build one another up. Like it is our job to build one another up. Gifted people have the responsibility to move forward in unity, but also to aid in the spiritual growth through development. Now I'm saying a lot of words here, but I'm, I'm coming to a point, okay? Some of you are looking at me like, I don't know what's going on here. Don't count the ceiling tile, okay? In other words, our responsibility as believers in Christ is to reach others. We all understand that, right? But we do that together. We are to be, to make sure that spiritual growth is happening within the body of believers. We should be as equally concerned with our spiritual growth as we are with reaching others. In fact, one should lead to the other. Spiritual growth together. We are responsible for each other. Too often our approach to our relationship with the church is what am I going to get out of this? Now I'm not trying to step on anybody's toes here, but I want you to understand that church is not intended to be how does the church serve me? The church as a body of believers working together all with different graces are to ensure the spiritual growth of the body of each other so that we can reach other people. Verse 12 gives us the mandate of the function of the church. Here it is. To equip his people for the works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. It is all of our responsibility to be equipped and to equip each other and to disciple each other. In fact, everybody here should be in a discipling relationship. Who are you discipling and who is discipling you? Who are you discipling and who is discipling you? We cannot simply be consumers of the blessing of God. We must also be a blessing to others. We get to consume his blessing, but we also are a blessing to other people. And that works out as a body of believers. We are together doing this. So the next question then is, is what's your part? When we get into verses 11 and 12, it says, he, it was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be, be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for the works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Notice that it is Christ who assigned these offices. It is not self-appointed titles and they're not necessarily vocational titles, meaning it, it doesn't have to be your full-time job. Christ calls each one of us to something and we'll get into more of other different callings later on. These are 
more in some leadership categories, this specific set here. Christ calls us. We don't decide what it is we want, but the point is they are all his calling. They, they are his calling. And so just to break them down real quick, apostles, we've all heard apostles. The apostles are the ones that Jesus chose to establish the church. We know the apostles in the very beginning, they were the ones who saw Jesus, who established the church. Jesus, um, Paul called himself an apostle because of his encounter with Jesus. He had an in-person encounter with Jesus. They were called to preach and lay the foundation of the church. And, and they came under intense persecution. And their job was to defeat the, Satan, the kingdom of Satan. Now, prophets are a little bit different. Prophets don't give doctrine but prophets receive revelation from God and then declare that revelation. Okay, so we tend to, as uh, believers today, have moved away from prophets because I think that we have this idea that prophets look and act a certain way, like, like John the Baptist. We think of a prophet, we think of John the Baptist, right? Like somebody who was just a weirdo, like wearing camel's hair and eating locusts and honey. Like we have that idea, but that's not what a prophet is. It's not about what they look like. And they could be anybody in the church, preachers or lay people, people involved in the practical ministry. Prophets can be anybody. Simply they are ambassadors of God declaring his word. They receive the revelation. They declare that to the people. So we have, and, and prophecy, the, the word of God can come to you in different ways. God can speak to you directly. He can give you a dream. He can do things. But when we have prophetic moments, we should pay attention to those. Then there's evangelists. Evangelists don't need to be traveling preachers. Or preachers who shout a lot. <laughs> Or preachers who are flamboyant, although some do fit that mold, right? We, we all know some like that. Evangelists are simply people who are especially or uniquely equipped to sow the seed of the gospel. Somehow, the way they explain it, God has gifted them in such a way that people can hear and understand and receive the truth of the gospel. They can just explain it well. And people are like, oh, I get it. They could say something to somebody, maybe even in the same way you've said it. And then that person gets it and you're like, I don't, I, that's what I've been saying. Evangelists have a passion to see the lost come to know Jesus. Just passionate about it. Think about Philip. Read the story of Philip in Acts. Philip's an incredible, I love just a few of the encounters that Philip had. He saw a chariot and he ran up to the chariot because God told him to go over there. He goes over there. He hears the Ethiopian. You guys remember the story? The Ethiopian's reading the prophet Isaiah. And Philip says, hey, do you know what you're reading there? And he says, no, how could I? I don't understand it at all. And Philip says, oh, well, I do. Let me explain it to you. Gets in and explains it to him. And, and then when he's through with that encounter, the Holy Spirit comes to him. And all of a sudden, psh, he's somewhere else. He's whisked away. <laughs> That's pretty cool. That would be awesome if that happened to one of us. That's that's an evangelist. Just they want to see somebody, they want the passion to see people come to know Jesus. And then the last one is the pastor's teachers. Probably the most common office of leadership in the church today. Pastor literally means shepherd. And the language used here in Ephesians has pastor and teacher as one role. In fact, a maybe a better way to translate it would be teaching shepherds. 
teaching shepherds. Some pastors are better at shepherding. Some are better at teaching. But a pastor's job, regardless, is to teach, guide, guard, and feed. And I, I can give you some thoughts on pastors. Because I want you to know as pastor, I take my role of proclaiming and teaching very seriously. Because I know that especially for a pastor, they are held highly accountable to God for everything we do and we say. And I can tell you then as a full-time vocational pastor that this can be a difficult calling. I would say that you should never accept this role outside of God's calling on your life. It's not a job that anybody says, you know what, I think that sounds like a fun job. And maybe it does, but I'm telling you, unless God has called you, don't do it. This is, I think, something that's very important for us. From the church's perspective, I believe we should continually be training and equipping those who are called to be pastors and teachers. I think it's, it's our job. And I've said before, a sign of a healthy church is somebody who is producing or out of which comes people called to full-time ministry because that means God is entrusting us with people who he has called. It's not that we, ha we have like this uh, machine going and people are coming to us and we're like, we're gonna spit out some pastors, you know. That's, it's that God is saying, hey, this church is being faithful and stewarding well the people that I have called. That's why it's healthy for a church to be producing people called to full-time ministry. So what does all this mean then? Um, at verse 12 again, to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. My job, as well as other pastors and, and offices in the church, is to equip the saints. In other words, some of you are there going, whew, good thing I'm not a saint. <laughs> but you're not left out because the church is made up of the saints. We are all as followers of Christ. In other words, to equip the ecclesia, all of us, for the work of ministry. All right, so the Greek word for translate, this is pretty cool here. The Greek word for translate is equip. And I have that, I think, up on the screen. Katartismos. Katartismos is the way I learned to pronounce that. Katartismos. And it means to cause to be qualified. Now, as with all the Greek, if you kind of dig into it a little bit, it, it has the root word of katartizo, which is a, com a compound word of karta, which means down, and artos, which means a joint, like a, a joint, an elbow joint, or a fishing net joint where two things con uh, connect. So it's only used, this word, one place in the entire Bible, <laughs> and that's this one we read today to equip catartismos. But in the Roman world, they would have used it regularly to describe putting a dislocated limb into place. It's interesting. They also would have used it to describe mending a net. So I found some things interesting about that. One is that it is putting back something that was in place has gone out of place and now they're putting it back into place. A net that it's repairing or mending a net, it's uh, 
fixing or replacing a dislocated joint. The basic idea is that this adjustment is putting all the parts into right relation and connection. So this is what God's talking about. He's taking all the parts because sin has come between us and God, right? It has messed up relationships. So he's taking all the parts and pieces of the church and he's putting them back together, catartismos, repairing, mending to what he intended them to be. It's a body being put right so that it can function and perform like it's intended to. <laughs> you guys aren't as, I, when I read that, I was like, this is crazy. Like, it's amazing. God is, is taking all of these pieces, us, and putting them together. And the offices that Paul describes here are all offices of the church that are bringing together, the, the teaching the people, the body, equipping the body to be at work doing one thing, and that is reaching people for his kingdom. If you have the gift of prophecy, its intended use is to edify and build up the body, teach the body so that we can all be better able to reach people for the kingdom. It's to equip us. Prophecy. Pastors, teachers, to equip us. We're all part of this together. So to what end? We're going to read verse 13 to 17. This is the end. Until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attending to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ from him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Can you see catartimos coming together? As every part of the body grows, and you can see his intended use is like the body. Builds itself up in love, which we know is the core of the Christian faith, as each part does its own work. Each one of you has a part that's doing a different work, all with the intended function as a body, as a mechanism bringing people into faith and relationship with Christ Jesus. So our differing gifts are intended for Christ's purpose. That's why he's the one who called. He's the one who equips. He's the one who puts us together. Paul says that Christ gives these gifts so leaders may be able to equip others for the work of ministry. Which leaves nobody out. You should never sit at home on the couch and say, I'm glad it's not my job. Because it is your job. As much as it is my job. God did not design the church to be full of spectators who have professional preachers. That's not the design of the church. The design of the church is that the, the preacher, we call preacher, really the pastor, <laughs> the pastor along with the other pastoral leaders and prophetic leaders and are all equipping people in the church to do his work. 
It's a well-oiled machine where every purpose, every person, excuse me, has a purpose in the body. And Paul later describes it. He says, that's why the toe can't say to the arm, I don't belong here. No part is better than the other parts. We just all have different parts and different roles to play. All with the design of spreading the good news of the kingdom of God. Isn't it awesome how God's worked this together? This is, it's a quiet group today. I get it, it's cold. It's, it's game day. But that didn't start till like five, right? So we can keep going through this. No, I just, um, I just think it's amazing how God has designed the church. Now we tend to put our, our own spin on it. And, and we have kind of molded it into a corporate America mentality where you do have a CEO of an organization that, you know, and, and other people are, well, that's not my job. Well, that's not my job. But that's not the way the church is intended. The church is intended that we all have one job. Let me re rephrase that so we don't get confused. We all have one goal. That's to reach people for Jesus. And inside that goal, we all have different parts of that job to play. So I'm gonna, we're going to close. I'm going to spend a little time in prayer. If you guys would, just stand up with me. And here's what I want to do. And I don't want to make this awkward or weird, but I just want you to take a minute, look to the person on your right, and look to the person on your left, and think to yourself, that person plays a unique role in building his kingdom. That person plays a unique role in building his kingdom. That person is gifted specifically to reach people for the kingdom of God. And if some of you don't know what that role is, that's what I want to spend this morning praying about as we close. What is my role, God? What is the thing you have called me to do? What is the part that I have to play? I refuse to believe that God is a marionette, like a puppet master that's pulling our strings and using us like a tool. I don't believe that. I believe that God is one that wants to partner with us and give us specific gifts and asks us to help him complete his work. Because a tool really just has one function and that's to be used in a specific way. Like a hammer hits an, a nail, right? Well, God's not hammering on us. He's asking us. You can say, I don't wanna be a hammer. God's gonna say, I, I, I need you to perform this would you just do this with me? What is it that God has asked you to do? So let's, let's make that our prayer this morning as we close. God, we are, we're looking at each other around us, recognizing, and maybe some of us recognize the gift in that person and they don't even see it themselves. We know, God, that you have called every person. And today we talked about just very few, the the apostles and preachers and teachers and um, we've talked about these prophets the leadership offices there's other things also we don't want to forget those but for those that are called to one of these 
leadership offices. If somebody's called to be an evangelist, reveal that to them. If they're called to be a pastor teacher, reveal that to them. If, if you're calling them to be a, uh, a prophet, God, or, or if you're giving prophetic words, help us to tune into that. I just ask, God, that you would be with us, but, but more than that, reveal to us what you're asking what you want from us and help us to recognize that we are one group of people moving as a body and, and we're broken that's why that word is so amazing it's we're, we're a broken people that you're continuing to put back together and sometimes our arm gets dislocated and, and you put that joint back in and sometimes our knee gets dislodged and you put that back in God help us to stay in your will to not get dislodged because we have one purpose as a church, as an ecclesia, as a gathering, and that's to reach people for your kingdom. And there's a lot of ways we do that. We love people, and I believe at this church we love people well in such a way that lives are changed, which is what you want. So this morning, as we sing our closing song, I pray that you would, and as people are praying and singing through this song, Reveal your path. Reveal your calling. Reveal what you have asked of them, of each one of us. In Jesus' name.